Go ahead and pick your speed up. You're number one now. Runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of EAA's The Green Dot, our podcast for anybody and everybody who loves aviation. My name is Hal Bryan. I'm senior editor for print and digital content and publications here at EAA. Sitting next to me on my left. I'm Chris Henry, the EAA Museum Programs Coordinator. And over there across the table, trying not to lay down a sick beat. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Charpentier, Government Relations Director. All right. And again, we have a guest. We have a guest that... Uh, that I think we're all just a little bit too giddy about, and that's okay. We'll get over it. No, I, we won't. No, no, but, I don't think we but, will. Uh, but Chris, uh, Chris, who have you drug in kicking and screaming to join us? Absolutely. Brought her all the way to the frozen tundra of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Uh, we have with us U.S. Navy aviator. All of aviators in the Navy. They say they're better than pilots. Commander Megan Flanagan with us. Uh, if you've seen the um, movie uh, Speed and Angels, you'll recognize uh, her name and her story. Uh, of course, uh, flew the coolest airplane ever, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but Megan, thank you for coming here and joining us, and then coming all the way from the warm beach uh, town that you are from to <laughs> Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here, and uh, the beach isn't so nice right now, so it's nice <laughs> to spice it up a little bit, see a little bit of Wisconsin, get some cheese. Just cheese curds. Yeah. Have you had any cheese yet? Not since yet. You've Chris has been. It's normally issued me. to you as you <laughs> as you cross the border. It's, it's awkward that I haven't had it yet. Yeah, okay. It is. It's kind of weird yeah. in the car. I feel like like I'm not part of the group. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna just disconnect Chris's <laughs> mic right now. <laughs> we're just gonna leave him out of this because I think. Uh, I think that's inexcusable. The cheese is just going to be so much better later now that we're holding yes, it off. really. Though, yeah, just so. build up the anticipation. Exactly. <laughs> All right, then. We were doing a show. <laughs> I seem to remember it's about aviation. Something about it. Could be a lot of digressions. That's exactly. Oh, we're all among friends. Thank you. Oh, now she's writing notes. The guest doesn't normally write notes. I'm losing track of how many times we digress. How many times we digress? It's a digression score. We're up to five. Excellent. Paint them on the side of your airplane at some point. All right. Well, Megan, start us off. Let's start. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, your beginning, not the whole earth cooled, you know, well, that when sort I was of thing. Born, my twin was there. We were we were kind of covered in some gross stuff. Some gross <laughs> stuff. And Excellent. I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fast forwarding just a little bit. Um, what? Uh, tell us about the about when it was you you really knew uh, you were into aviation. You knew you wanted to. You knew you wanted to fly. What did you see? What prompted that? Well, I got to tell you, before I knew anything about aviation, this yeah. girl wanted to go to Notre Dame and be an accountant. Sexy stuff, right? Really? That's and pretty then, hardcore. I know, hardcore. I, I was very into being an accountant. Don't ask me why. Age eight, I'm like, I'm going to do some numbers. I'm going to do them right. And then uh, <laughs> one magical day, I was laying on our red carpet with our crappy TV in front of me and a movie you may have heard of, Top Gun. Oh, I was going to say Hot Shots. Oh, Darn it. Yeah, <laughs> it came up on the screen. And, I mean, at first it was all about the beach volleyball. Right. Well, that's understandable. Right. I was a young girl. Um, and I saw the mighty big fighter, the Tomcat, and I never had seen anything like it. I've never really been in airplanes. Never. I don't think I've flown anywhere yet. Um, no exposure, nothing. But I saw that movie. And then it was on, it was one of the, you know, there's this before DVR and all that kind of stuff. So it was on in the, I don't know, sort of earlier. And then we'd made a tent in the family room, and I pretended to be sleeping, and it was on later at night, and I watched it again. <laughs> and uh, the next morning, I woke up, and I, I said, uh, change of plans. Notre Dame's out. Fighter pilots in. Let's go ahead and make that happen. <laughs> that is fantastic. Do you mind if we ask about how old you were when, when this, I was about this 10. happened? Okay. Yeah, circa 1990. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty awesome. That's... <laughs> 
to date, that still must be the single best recruiting tool that the Navy <laughs> totally. has, has ever had. Oh my had. gosh, the number certainly in the last fifty years. There are two types of fighter pilots in the Navy. I would say I would almost argue the Air Force as well. Yeah. There are those that admit that they were inspired by the Top Gun, and those that lie about it. Well, thank you for bringing. Yes, thanks for bringing a new level of honesty to the show. All honesty, all cracking time. right through our superficial full, veneer. Full transparency here. Yeah, this is just getting this is getting hardcore. <laughs> Well, and uh, so you, I mean, at that point, you, you kind of had a dream of not just going to be a pilot, but you had a specific airframe that you wanted it to go down. And that, totally. that's got to be, you know, talk about that. That's tough. I mean, well, I mean, the, the, the weird thing is, so when I went into, went to the Naval Academy, I still remember plebe summer around the table and the, your detailers, people that are training you and screaming at you, they'd ask you all these questions and they'd say, all right, uh, we're going to start at this side of the table, we're going to go the table and start naming naval aircraft. And someone said F-14, I was like, I don't know any other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was locked on on one airframe. Maybe wow. I knew nothing about anything aviation-related except for there was, there was a plane called the Tomcat, and the wings moved, <laughs> and it was really freaking cool. <laughs> and you got to fly off of carriers. I was like, okay, let's do that. You know, So, I mean, I'm 18, 19 years old, and I still couldn't name the Hornet. I, I mean, clueless. <laughs> it's just fantastic. But it works out. It works out. <laughs> So, so what was that like um, uh, showing up? So you went to the United States Naval Academy, correct? I did. I did, um, I did too, actually. Oh. High school sailing camp <laughs> at uh, the uh, U.S. Naval Academy. Nice. <laughs> the sailing team is very cool. It's very nautical, very pretty. <laughs> During parades, they intentionally have the sailing team sail back and forth behind the parade field, so it looks nice. True story. It's, uh, well, that's the cool thing about boats is it can move in two dimensions. So they say. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they say. Yeah. I'm not a boat person. There's, I mean, there are no airplanes, but still. Big boats. Most of runways, perhaps. So what was that like, um, you know, the um, the experience being a, um, you know. Midshipman? Yeah. A Naval Academy? Yeah. Um, it's not college. It's the Academy. So uh, <laughs> there's a shirt you can buy at the Academy now that says not college. So, you know, <laughs> things, uh, Animal House. Uh, I loved it because I think if you go in there with your eyes wide open, understanding it's not college and it's something different. Um, but it's not like college, but it's a phenomenal experience if you um, if you have the right attitude. So Academy grads love to say, great place to be from, horrible place to be. <laughs> um, there's a lot of rules. It's very structured, but really cool opportunities there for you. So in the summers, you just get to do really fantastic things that your peers aren't doing. Top-notch educa top education. Just, it was, a, I, I really enjoyed it. It was very hard. It was very challenging, but it was a really good experience, and you develop a lot of character. You learn a lot of life lessons, stuff that I'll talk to you a little bit later, um, that I've carried with me for the rest of my life. And I've made friends, really tight bonds there. I mean, sort of cliche, but what you hear about military uh, experiences, it just brings you really close to your friends. Now, would you say going into the Naval Academy, did you have a shortage of character at that point? Because I find that <laughs> totally. very, very <laughs> difficult very to believe. Very shy and introverted. <laughs> didn't want to come. I, I don't like to voice my opinion at all. <laughs> kind of, kind of retiring. We made it very hard. <laughs> so it, now getting into one of these academies is not trivial. It's not, not just anybody can go. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the process and then maybe broad, more broadly, you know, what was your parents' role in, in right. preparing you for the whole choice, the yeah. whole thing? So I will say I was very lucky because when I first saw Top Gun in 1990, uh, women weren't allowed to fly tactical aircraft. Um, and my parents figured that out fairly quickly but never once said, oh, honey, women can't do that. They just said, if you want to do it, we're going to help you figure out how. And I had really motivating parents. And it, recently someone said, name your, you know, your biggest role model. And I said, honestly, I have to say my parents because they very much are the people who empower and say, yes, you can do something mm -hmm. if you work towards it. So um, my parents looked into 
how to become a fighter pilot, and they said, hey, you can go to a school called the Naval Academy, Military Academy, and then they sort of helped me figure out how to research. This is before the internet. I'm that old. <laughs> so I had to like send a letter in the mail and say, can you send me a booklet on how to go to the Naval Academy? You know, um, And it is a very arduous process. Uh, it is very competitive. They want a very well-rounded student. So they want someone who's strong academically, athletically, uh, part of clubs, taking leadership roles. Um, so when you start building a resume or an application to go to a service academy, there's just, you can't just be strong in one thing. You really have to be strong in everything. So luckily for me, I think everything in life is easier once you figure out what you want. So the fact that I knew I wanted to go to the Naval Academy when I started freshman year of high school, I was so far ahead of the curve because I started building my application on day one. I started, I said, hey, I gotta get straight A's. I gotta take all these AP classes. I gotta play sports all the time. I need to be the captain of the team. I need to be starting clubs, be the president of the club. I mean, I knew what I needed to do on day one. So the people who figure out they want to go to the Naval Academy when they're seniors, there's only so much you can do at that point. So that really helped out. So my parents helped. We figured out what I needed to do, um, did the application, went, um, went through the process. You have to get a nomination from a senator or a congressman or the vice president. That definitely weeds out a lot of people. So sure. I had to write letters to them, and then I would go in for interviews, and the interview would be me with four or five people. There I am, 17-year-old Megan in a business suit being interviewed by these adults, you know, very intimidating scenario, um, but part of the process. And they were just sizing you up, trying to figure out if you're the type of person that will survive at a service academy. Now, so many great questions in mind, but now at that point, uh, when you're making these applications, were you, were you laying it all on the table saying, not only uh, do I want to get into the Naval Academy, but I'm going to fly, I'm going to fly jets, I'm going to fly combat jets, and I'm going to fly the F-14? Were you yeah, I mean, spelling so that out? And, and well, were they saying no? Yo, when I was young, and it was, and you know, to be clear, there's not a ton of people who are going to come up in your face and say, "Oh, you can't do that." But there are right. definitely people who you'd say, "I want to do this," and they're like, "Oh, you can't do that, honey," or like, "Girls can't do that." My parents definitely had a lot of people coming up to them and saying, "Oh, you shouldn't encourage that." You know, she's she's not going to be able to do that. Um, That's why we appreciate how you've stood up to Chris since you've gotten here. <laughs> you so know. he's so discouraging and so negative about everything, just like totally, that. Totally, totally. So, I'm still holding the cheese, brother. <laughs> yeah, you're still holding the cheese. There's a bumper sticker. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, no. So I mean, you always have naysayers but does it matter yeah right um, it's all about who you choose to listen to so do I sit there and listen to my family and my parents and my friends who were very supportive of my my goal and my dream yeah I listen to them do I listen to the people that are telling me no no I don't care what they say I don't care what they think um, I'm very lucky I popped out of the womb and I just didn't give a crap what anyone thought I just I've always <laughs> been like that it's been very much to my advantage um, you just don't listen to those people and you mentioned your twin sister yeah um, uh, who's older? Me, by two minutes. By two minutes? Thank God. <laughs> so you got here first. See, I always, I'm like two minutes superior in every way. <laughs> Say no, no more. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the training and progression of aircraft that you, you flew. Yeah. So the Navy does a really nice job of doing a uh, crawl, walk, run mentality. So uh, I ended up getting about 10 hours in, a, I think, a diamond katana. Oh, um, okay. My second semester of senior year at the Naval Academy. So once I'd selected, um, they were just starting this new program, which now they all get hours before they go to flight school. But it was, it was in its infancy. So I had a couple hours, never soloed. But then I went to flight school with really no experience, right? But they really set, to, set it up to succeed. So you start in a T-34, which now I realize is a pretty pimp-first aircraft. Uh, yeah, that is pretty cool. You know, yeah. it could, what was it, like 3.5G limited? But, it, you know, one thing that I didn't understand at the time until actually about two years ago, but within, I want to say the first three or four flights, you're spinning the aircraft. I wow. mean, 
you're immediately doing unusual attitude recovery where they're literally, you know, close your eyes and the instructor's flipping the plane over and you just open your eyes and you recover. It, it's stuff that I didn't realize civilian general aviators didn't do. Um, you're doing aileron rolls and barrel rolls and all kinds of aerobatics. You're flying formation. All of this stuff within your first, you know, 100 hours in the airplane, wow. which is really cool. But um, it's an aggressive pace, but they have to do that because obviously once you get through with the T-34, you'll then select for the Navy, you select basically into jets, helicopters, or big wing aircraft. Um, for jets, you have to have a minimum score. You have to be above that score to even be considered. And then you have to compete amongst your peers basically to grab one of the spots. So um, I was very lucky. I worked hard. I had um, all, everything in life is about working hard and some right. luck. And you so know, it, it seems like <laughs> almost anybody we talk to with, with, uh, with a great story like yours, not that there's, there's many stories like yours, but when they say they're very lucky, it's always followed by, and I worked really hard. Yeah. And uh, there yeah, seems yeah. to be a causal relationship <laughs> right, there. Right. There seems to be yeah, some sort of connection. Normally you can't just be lucky. Sometimes you can, right. but normally there's yeah. a little something else there. But for instance, you know, when I was in primary flight training in the T-34, which takes about six months, there was about a four-month period of time, uh, basically after the, I don't know what happened the very first month I was there, but basically from months two to five, no jet spots. Nobody selected jets because the Navy didn't need jet pilots. They had a whole wow. bunch. There was a backlog at the next training site. And so people were all going helos or P3s or big wings. And we were all sweating this, right? The selection right before me, the class before me that had finished, one guy got one jet spot. It was the first jet spot that opened up. He had a perfect score. Um, went on to date him later. <laughs> and um, <laughs> sidebar. And uh, <laughs> at any rate, I digress. Um, but he was the only guy out of five squadrons that selected. And then when I selected the following, it was, you know, two weeks later, five squadrons of people, there were three billets and I got one of them wow. because I had done well. I had, I had exceeded the minimum score by a good, a good amount. And of the five squadrons, I was one of the top three because not everybody has a first choice of jets, but as you will be shocked to know, most people's first choice is jets. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people that know, I love Hilo guys, I'm friends with them, but a lot of Hilo guys will say, oh, I fly, I'll be like, what do you fly? And they're like, oh, Hilo, it was my first choice. I'm like, I wish we had video on this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Expressions are amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so at any rate, worked hard, got a spot, went to the T-45 Alpha, um, the Bravo already had a uh, HUD and velocity vector. The Alpha did not, so it was much more challenging than the Alpha. But it went to <laughs> Kingsville, Texas, and that's just their single-engine uh, jet trainer for the Navy. So basically everything's just 100 knots faster. You're doing basically a lot of the same stuff for the first six months. It's just the base airspeed. Instead of doing everything at 150, you're doing everything at 250. So obviously it takes you a little while to adjust your mind and how quickly you're thinking ahead of the airplane. Um, so that takes a little bit of time. But again, it's a, a natural progression, right? Because you're going from hanging out 150, hanging out to 250, and then hanging out a little bit faster than that. Um, <laughs> and then there you do basically all the same stuff you did in the T-34, only now the second phase is all the cool stuff. Um, it's the air-to-air -air, you know, gunnery, the air-to-ground bombing, the dogfighting, the carrier, um, daytime traps only when you're in flight school. And then once you finish that, you go out to your fleet squadron and you go to a great, or not your fleet squadron, fleet airplane, go to a gray airplane. So you go to the Tomcat and now everything's a little bit faster, right? And now there's more things like the wings that move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're doing all the same stuff again, right? You're learning how to fly IFR, fly form, do some aerobatics, you know, basically learn the aerodynamic um, principles of that airplane, the stick and rudder stuff. Then you're learning how to employ it as a weapon. So you're learning how to drop bombs do dogfighting, shoot missiles, all the same type of stuff you're doing before. You're just doing it in a faster airplane. Uh, 
that's a lot cooler because it's not orange and white. T forty five is not supersonic, correct? No, by, no, like no. by a long shot. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, let's be honest, the Hornet and the Super Hornet are barely supersonic. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're no Tomcats. <laughs> I mean, I think we can all yeah, agree it's kind of a on joke. that based on well your experience, uh, none of ours. Um, your first time through Mach one. You know what? When people ask about supersonic all yeah. the time, and it's a bit underwhelming i'm not gonna lie sure. because normal if you're flying supersonic you're usually up at altitude and think about it, if i'm out over the water which i'm in the navy i'm right. flying over the water yeah. and you're going supersonic i see my mock indicator from 0.99 to 1.0 and i'm like all right feels <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly uh, the same. don't uh, <laughs> nothing's different now i mean completely cluedo in the airplane i would say supersonic at altitude bleh, Flying 500 knots at, at you know down at sea level or like yeah. 200 200 uh, feet in the canyon or something. Now that that feels cool because you get ground effect, you get the ground rush, you can actually have a sense of how fast you're going. Sure. Um, or even slower, where you're just pulling a bunch of G's and you're getting all these vapes off the wings, you know, and you can look back and see that. Anytime you're getting a visual reference, that helps a lot. But if you're just cooking and just hauling butt, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it classy. Um, <laughs> You know, there's just no, there's no reference, so it's it's sort of underwhelming. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I had a, a a good friend of mine in in high school who um, he flies Hornets now, so mm -hmm. I kind of I kind of followed him through that exact yeah, same yeah. progression. And uh, uh, by the way, Hal, um, I, I when she was talking about the uh, the T thirty four, I was like, Hal, don't you dare say Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get really it's, mad when you call it. We were flying the Charlie model, right, with the turbine engine and everything. So that's you know. I flew, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. T thirty four guys get mad and you say clear to land the Bonanza. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Found that out. So. <laughs> yes, back in your controller days. <laughs> yeah, but I think um, when he got to the T forty five, he uh, it was basically it was it was Hornets or the C two. When I went through flight school, I should remember this better, but I think you selected Helos. P3s at the time, jets or E2C2 before you went to advanced. Okay. Because then the E2C2 guys would go through T45s with us for the first six months. And then when we went into phase two, which is all the tactical flying, they would go start flying, God, what was it? Like the, the T44, some kind of um, um, dual engine prop out of Corpus Christi. And then they would okay. finish their calls in that. But they did their carrier calls in the T45, which seems strange to me. But now the COD, the C2. That thing only does day traps. Okay. Cush. And that's COD <laughs> carrier onboard delivery? Yes. Um, oh, and man. those guys, they live in villas in Bahrain, and then I'm they sorry. come out to the <laughs> ship, and they bring you your mail, and then they leave. So my roommate on deployment, she was in our airway, the only other female pilot, but she was the COD pilot, so I'm always like, wasn't on the ship. But it was great. She'd come, she'd bring us all these magazines, she'd take our clothes from port, like all of our good civvies, wash them in her villa, bring them back. I mean, <laughs> cush to be rooming with the COD pilot. I was say, you don't really think about deploying to a villa. No. That's not... <laughs> um, where did the... Uh, and, and I'm going to be dating myself a little bit, but at uh, where would the S3... Oh, the mighty figure S3. Into this, the Viking. Uh, the S3. When did they shut down the S3? So when I was a first year at the Naval Academy, senior year, I did an, an aviation cruise with the S3. Did we select any guys into S3 when I was still? No, they shut down the S3 pipeline, I think, when I was in advanced. Okay. And so they basically, because at that point, the S3 was originally an anti-sub aircraft, but really all it did was tank. So we still still had um, S3s in our air wing, but there weren't more guys coming through the pipeline oh. because they phased out the S3 and then the Super Hornet became the tanker. So mm. the right. Super Hornet can do everything, including tanking. Hmm. Once again, <laughs> if we had cameras. Yeah. Yes, I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the day when they figure out a way for the Hornet to actually replace the boat. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah. it just seems like, well, no. it's well, that's, I mean, CVN, FA-18. They, they went to this, and, and there's pros and cons to everything, but with the Navy, 
that's why the Air Force and the Navy a Naval Aviation are so different. We have limited space, right? So we have limited number of aircraft, and right. so there's strength in having one airframe that can do everything. Sure. Because then you have the same parts. But then, obviously, when it has to be able to do everything, so when they built the Hornet, they make it so it can be air-to-air, air-to-ground. So they have rails that are canted ever so slightly because that helps them with the bombing, but then hmm. it slows the airplane down because there's a bunch of drag. So you can't – so that's why it, it's not totally awesome at any one thing. It's pretty good at all of them. Whereas the Tomcat was built originally long-range Soviet interceptor, air-to-air – Phoenix missile, yeah, like 80s, <laughs> killing it, right? That thing's, I, it's I, I feel like I just want to stand up right now. Would <laughs> <laughs> that be wrong? Yeah, the just, wings just, go back. Yes. And you're going really yes. Fast. Yeah. Splash the zero. Yes. <laughs> yes, splash the zero. Right. So subsequently, like, like, the Tomcat is totally awesome at air-to-air -air mission because that's what it was made to do. They made this missile, and then they built the Tomcat to carry the missile. And then they retrofitted it to be an air-to-ground bomber, too. So it was still really good at bombing. But when you build one aircraft with the intent of doing everything, you just, you know what I mean? You got to give a little here and take a little there. And so you get something that's a jack of all trades, but something is lost there. <laughs> the Tomcat's kind of the IROC of uh, fighters, is what I'm getting. It's <laughs> the, the most the spectacular airplane yeah. ever made. See, <laughs> 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 yeah. I would have gone back biased. to the 60s for yeah. a, a real muscle yeah. car. Well, but then I'm a little older. Well, Megan, can I actually ask wiser. you for that comparison? Oh, I know good. I've done it before, but it's a good it. comparison. It's, and it's not my analogy, and I have updated it a little bit from uh, the original. But people, one of the number one questions I get is being a Tomcat aviator and a Hornet Bubba. Is people say, you know, what's the difference, or what was the transition like? I'm sorry, you said better? Hornet Bubba? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're either a Tomcat aviator or you're a Hornet Bubba. <laughs> or is, oh, oh, I, I won't this. tell you their terms we used to use. They're not politically correct. <laughs> at any rate. You can um, write them down. Yeah, that's yeah. the green dot after dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going exactly. to say, could you act them out? And then I realized that's an extraordinarily no. bad question. You do not want that. Trust yeah. me. Trust me. At any rate, give me a second. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to. Uh, um, Tom, sick beat. Yeah. <laughs> Lay it down for us. But this, I always tell people, the Tomcat, imagine you get your license at 16, okay. and your dad says he hands you some keys, and it is a 1976 Chevelle. And, I mean, there's no power locks, there's no power <laughs> doors, there's no power steering, but there is something raw and sexy about that car. You know what I sure. mean? And you got to muscle it around, it leaks a little bit, but who cares? Because that car is cool. The engine revs, everything. And then after a couple years, your dad says, well, it's, it leaks a little bit, it's breaking down, it's not as reliable, I'm going to upgrade you. And I've changed it a little bit. And, but say he upgrades, he takes the keys away, and he says, here, here's keys to a 2017, we'll say, Audi. Because it's, it's still a jet, so it's sort of cool. But here's <laughs> the keys to an Audi. And it's got, it's got luxury everything. It's got that new car smell. It's got the power everything. It's got the GPS, everything's so simple. You can basically put the cruise control on and not touch the steering wheel, right? But it's not very sexy, now, is it? So the Chevelle had a manual transmission too, didn't it? Oh, yeah. And the Audi, of oh, course, yeah. is automatic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, anyhow, Tomcat gosh. was just a little more fun. Now I understand that Chris tells us that you have a pretty good story about your first Tomcat takeoff. Oh, well, well yes. So, because how can your first takeoff in a Tomcat not be good? But right. the thing that I loved about it was it, for, the, for the Tomcat, not the Super Hornet, but the Tomcat because it had so much power. <laughs> You wouldn't even go to afterburner on takeoff. You would just go to military power, so right up to the afterburner stops because there's a little detent. You'd have to push through the afterburner. And just going to mill, I mean, you just get shoved back into your seat. Um, and so there's that force behind you. It's, it's breathtaking. You're like, I can't believe this is happening, especially your first flight because in the Tomcat, oh, by the way, they didn't have a trainer. So your first flight in the Tomcat, giddy up. Like, there's no one with controls in the back. You have the controls, and that thing is prone to have, you know, emergencies. Oh, so nice. as a point of reference, in the Tomcat, you would have to have 17 um, God, how long were they? 
hour and a half to two hour simulators before you got your check ride to get into the airplane. And the Super Hornet, I think it's like eight. And then you get in the airplane because they have trainers. So they just put an instructor pilot in the back. Sure. So there's obviously some trust. But in the Tomcat, it's on you. And that thing, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on with that airplane. So um, it, the whole thing is pretty exciting. But more importantly, on that on the flight, it's one of the first two flights. You do something called a zoom climb. Um, you go down to about 500 feet over the water. You accelerate. You're in full afterburner. You hit whatever speed it kind of levels out at. Um, and then you park the nose 70 degrees nose up, and you climb until you run out of airspeed. And at about 250, 300 knots, when you hit that airspeed, you'll roll over and just level off. And you're leveling off at like 35,000 feet. <laughs> and you, you literally, you're like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an astronaut because I have a rocket. Like, I mean, it's unbelievable. Because you just, in the, and you can hear it, you know, there's like a rumble, and you can hear the engines, and you're just, you're not straight up, but 70 degrees nose up. That's pretty darn close, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the dream. You know what I mean? So for me, I had thought at 10, I want to do this. I see this movie. I see this airplane. I want to do this. And now I'm 24, 14 years later. I'm getting chills telling you this. And, uh, you know, you go to full power. You take off. And then you're doing the zoom climb. And it's surreal. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm – I look back, and the wings are back on a Tomcat. I am in the front seat. Like, this is unbelievable. Those wings are there because you put them there. <laughs> yeah. You can bring them back forward if you want it. If you want, but that'd be lame. <laughs> Duh. Totally lame. Um, <laughs> so we're bouncing around a little bit here, but uh, but it, we, we've joked a couple of times about sort of language and, and family and keeping it clean. But we, and we referenced the film Speed and Angels, yes. uh, which is uh, – which is, my opinion, an absolutely fantastic film, and it's something I've recommended a lot over the last uh, the last ten years. But it's uh, the language I would describe is realistic. Sailorish. It's sailorish, sure, <laughs> but uh, it's you know, my gosh, it's understandable that uh, when you you know when you're experiencing some of these things for the first time, you're going to say some words that make sense. So I guess we have sort of recommend it with a mild caution for the family audience that you've got to be ready for that. Anyway, I, it wasn't even so much a question there as there was just sort of referring to the film. But I did want to ask, do people recognize you from the film? Um, when it first happen? came out, it yeah. happened a little bit more frequently. But it was it's so – like, if, you know, I went to Women in Aviation one year, and they screened it. So, of course, and everyone's oh, sure. recognizing me. So there's, there's situations like that. But right. for the most part, it's little things. Like, I went to breakfast with my then-boyfriend and this old – you know, probably a couple my parents' age were like, Megan? And I, I was like, uh, do I know you? <laughs> you know, they're like, Speed Angels. You know, I was like, oh, this is so weird. I'm eating breakfast. I'm really hungover. Hi. You know, like, so that was great. The, the thing that cracks me up even more is when I was a RAG instructor uh, at the Super Hornet Hornet RAG, I was a student control officer. So all the students have to come and check in with me. And um, some of them would play – basically what I came to realize is every one of those students has seen the movie. Like oh, some sure. of them played it cool and some of them didn't. Like some of them would be like – uh, like they check in, they'd walk out, and they they come back in. Like I just want to tell you, ma'am, I, I had a I had a poster of your movie on my on my door. It's college, <laughs> you know. I'm like, because uh, that's not awkward. Hey, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stunner, you know. And then I had a, I, had I have a poster of Chris in my cube upstairs. <laughs> just that's creepy. Yeah, yeah. And then I had another wow. student who never said anything to me. And then I was on duty, and he brought his parents up because he had just finished the program. And his parents walked in, and they're like, Megan, you know. And he, he like put his head down, just shaking his head, you know. So, yes, there are times I get recognized, but, um, you know, just by select audiences. I have a story, actually. I went to Oceana Air Show. Uh, it was after the movie came out. We were just talking about this on the way up. And uh, I'm like, with, with my buddy, we were walking by, and, and I had the DVD with us. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, there's Megan. Like, I've got to go get an autograph. You know, this will be too, totally cool. So I, I, like, walk up. There's a bunch of uh, fighter pilots standing there. And I have it in my hand. And I don't even get to say anything. I just start to say something. And she's like, 
hey, it's nice to meet you. And she goes, I'm not who you think I am. She's like, I'm not Megan. I get that all the time. <laughs> so there's probably somebody out there who's getting it a ton. You're um, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably a more PC uh, uh, yeah. version of me. If, yeah, the alternate version of yeah. Megan, you know. Wait, so you're the evil twin? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about naval aviation, so of course we have to ask, what's it like, your first carrier landing? Oh, man. So um, carrier landings are frightening. Eventually people will say, oh, daytime traps are cool. I like daytime traps. No, I don't think I've ever heard naval aviators say they like night traps. Um, But I can tell you, my very first time going out to the ship, you practice landing so much, right? And then the first time you see, I still remember I'm flying for him, flying for him, looking at my lead, and he says, hey, see you at 10. And then he comes up on our tactical frequency, and he says, um, hey, boat's right 1 o'clock, low. And I'm flying for him, and I peek over, and I'm just like, holy shnikes. That, uh, that looks really small. I, I'm not sure about this. you know. And I just start hyperventilating. And then we come into the break, and the amazing thing is they really set you up for success because – You've practiced this. You've seen this pattern. It looks a little different because the ship's moving away from you, but the math and the numbers work out, and all of a sudden you're in the break, and all of a sudden you're in the pattern, and all of a sudden they're rolling in, and you're hyperventilating. You can't believe what's about to happen. You're scared out of your mind, and then you realize, holy I'm a fighter pilot. I have to sound cool on the radio. And so you compose yourself, make your ball call really cool, and then you land five seconds later, you know, 10 seconds, you know, the the, the, uh, 18 seconds later to be precise, 15, 18 seconds later after the ball call, you will land. Um, (laughs) I probably snagged the one wire, but I'm like, oh my God, I'm on deck of a carrier. I'm hyperventilating. I'm hyperventilating. They're directing me. You know, I pull my hook up. I can't believe this just happened. And I'm like, okay, that was really frightening and scary, but okay, I I did it. Like, you know, they they trained me and I'm ready. And now the the payback for the – the trap is that cat shot. So then you come around. That's where the magic really happens, people. Take us through it. If you've seen Speed Our Angels, belts are on. You, uh, yeah. you can hear my excitement. <laughs> um, <laughs> the best way I can explain it, and the funny thing is I hated roller coasters as a kid. Hated them. Hated that drop. Hated that feeling on the big drop. Yeah. Take that and multiply it by a 1,000. It's probably the closest thing I can get to, get to tell you what the, t- what the, tra- the, uh, the launch feels like because you you're going from nothing to – you know, 150 miles an hour in the course of a few seconds. And then every time you come off, not so much in the trainers because they're so light, but in the big fighter, there's always a little settle. Like you're always going to like, the jet's going to, because that thing's so heavy, you know? So you have your rat out set. So if your rat out goes off, the, the carrier deck's at 60 feet. Rat out, you set to 40. So if you, they always say if your rat out's going off, that's me that thing about punching. You know what I mean? That's so radar like, altimeter? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you get this little settle, but it is far out. And, the, <laughs> and at nighttime, night, so normally when you take off from the carrier, you, take, you do the cat shot, and then you fly basically 500 feet straight and level, or you go right into the landing pattern. At nighttime, you climb immediately. So at nighttime, oh, this, I don't think I ever told you this story. I went to the boat with Squeaky and the Tomcat. My, I don't think it was my first night. I think it was my second night. But I was launching, and some of like the salty pilots, we don't do afterburner on the cat shot and the Tomcat either. But really? I was, no, because again, you just have so much power, you don't need it. So you can plug in the afterburner if you need it. Wow. Um, but so I asked her... I said something about, like, hey, should I hit burner? Because all the salty fleet guys would take off and just go full grunt and just climb away. And you just have these just sexy freaking flames coming out of the airplane <laughs> at night, you know? It looks so cool. And she's like, oh, no, we, we probably shouldn't. I'm like, okay. 
And then we're, we're literally, we're going down the catch joke. Like, you know, saluted, we're about to go, or hit the lights on. And she's like, stroke him! <laughs> and I was like, full, full out of her. Like, I was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I was like, yeah, this is so cool! It was a good one. That's so, good. Uh, so you liked it then? <laughs> Just a little bit. It if was you're, good. You're into that adrenaline junkie kind of thing, you know. Uh. <laughs> good times. Wow. Yeah, and you were talking about that that first trip out to the boat. That's solo, right? No. So when you go out, all of your first trips out to the boat are whoa. whoa so yeah, no, no. I'm, th- I'm thinking of the Tomcat. Yes, in the T45, you're solo. So you have a flight lead, instructor, pilot who's in the lead aircraft, and then he'll tow out uh, three students basically on the wing. So you're by yourself. They're not going to put someone in the bag with you. You might kill them. No, no, okay. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> what are they going to do? Be like, you're scaring me. <laughs> yeah, I guess I never did look at it from that side. But yeah, yeah. yeah okay, that that makes sense now. <laughs> so you, you mentioned uh, Squeaky, who is um, together with you made the first. All, all female uh, Tomcat crew, correct? Yeah, I don't. I'm sure. I, I can't speak definitively about that. I think at the RAG, all so again, I, I don't know any definitive numbers. I have a strong 99% certainty that there are about less than 10 female pilots that ever flew the Tomcat, um, and obviously not many Rios either. So there's not a lot of places they could fly together. I think at that you now, at this at the point, you know, women started flying Tomcats. I don't know when Kara Hall Green crashed. What was that? 96? Six, maybe 90 something in that ballpark and she was the first one she was the right. first one yeah um and uh so she was the first one i think there were about 10 over the next you know seven years maybe um so there weren't a lot of opportunities for it but yeah at the rag i mean squeaky and i had only flown together probably two other flights um and then when i got to my fleet my squad was, my, my opposite was like oh yeah we're not gonna let two women fly together i mean it was a joke but not a joke you know what i mean they <laughs> they like to have a dude in the cockpit <laughs> It's it's not sexist at all. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you exactly what he said. He talked about having a requirement for certain anatomy to be in the (laughs) office at all times. Oh, wow. I was like, Roger that, Opso. Thanks. (laughs) How many years of tradition unhindered by progress? (laughs) Right, right, right. right. No, 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 totally. uh, So out of those, uh, call it round numbers, call it, say, 10 uh, 10, uh, female Tomcat pilots ever, who was the best? (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, me. I Softball. Mean, <laughs> okay. That yeah, was yeah, right. All, I mean, what, all fighter pilots will tell you they're the best. I think they were probably all fantastic in their own way. I oh. honestly, I heard Kara Hall Green was a totally bitching pilot, so I'll give it to her. She's she's she broke the uh, very, she broke the barriers nice and and uh, and set the set the tone for all of us. So, right. so shifting gears just a uh, just a little bit. Um, this is uh, you're here with us in Oshkosh. You're uh, at the time we're recording this. You're speaking tonight at our, uh, at our museum. Uh, which and it's if we haven't said it enough, it's fantastic to have you here. We're Thanks. really really thrilled to have you speaking. Um, but you've been to Oshkosh at least once before, right? So and you, you were here for Air Venture. Uh, you spoke at Women Venture. Mm-hmm. Did you see any anything else of, uh, of Air Venture? To see anything else of the ground? You know what? It was anything? really un- I, I saw a little bit. Chris did did a good job giving me as much of a tour as I could get. But I think I literally got it. Did I fly in? The, no, I flew in the night before my flight. It was really badly delayed. So I got into the hotel at like one in the morning, two in the morning or something. Oh. And then the next morning came in, I was speaking at noon. So that morning I bebopped around. I did an interview, um, saw some of the grounds. And then my flight was about, you know, four hours probably after I spoke and oh, we did. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, as soon as I finished speaking, I changed my clothes and, and rocked, but, um, I was blown away by what I saw when I was, I mean, just the number of people, everyone says how big it is, but it, until you see it, um, and there's something powerful about that, especially speaking at the women's event, seeing all those women, that's awesome. You know, I come from a community where there's not a lot of women, obviously. So to see that number of women that are interested in something that I'm interested in, like aviation, is a pretty cool thing to see. 
Oh, that's great, and and it's a, a privilege for us to to be able to host that and let that experience happen totally. happen here. Let me ask you just one final quick question, and then uh, and that is, uh, do you fly when you're not at work? Mm, sad story. I mean, so <laughs> so let's land on a big down. I know, right? right? Way to go. Um, <laughs> so I had my first of three kids in my last flying tour as an instructor, and then after that, I had two more. So I've had three kids in the last five years. Um, and just being pregnant and then being busy with kids and working full time, it's not something that I routinely have uh, got into my uh, into my daily routine or schedule. But I think all things in life are about the kind of current priorities and what you're doing at the time. And I love flying, and I'll always be passionate about flying. And I recognize that right now I'm just a little bit more passionate about my kids and my family, so I prioritize that. Fully understanding that my kids eventually will be a little older, a little more independent, right. and I'll have a little more time. Well, and a little less likable. Yeah. Let's face yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. You know, when they're teenagers, <laughs> pretty easy to be passionate annoying. about something else. Trust me, I got I got a toddler. I got a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a nine-month-old. I promise you, there's some annoying going on. I love them, but uh, if my kid poops her underwear one more time, uh, we digress. Uh, but Chris anyway. says the same thing about raising Tom you know, yeah, when they so live so together. So. I'm very proud of where he is now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that's something that's probably in your future then. Absolutely. I was telling Chris and I'd love to get maybe my CFI and then teach my husband how to fly. So we'll see uh, in the uh, future. That's, that's terrific. And you are still active duty at this so point. So I'm on active duty orders. I actually transitioned to the reserves in 2013 okay. after my daughter was one and I was due for C. Um, but I got mobilized back onto active duty about a year and a half ago. So I've been on active duty for a while. Well, we, uh, all kidding aside, if that's even possible for this group, uh, we, we thank you very much for your service. Thank you. That means a lot. And your story uh, has been one that I know has inspired a lot of people. And it is a privilege for us to help uh, broadcast that story to, uh, to perhaps a new audience. So if you're out there, if you're listening, if you've enjoyed hearing from, uh, from Megan, do check out Speed and Angels. Uh, you know, accept the, uh, the PG-13 uh, warning and understand that it's – uh, it ju- that just makes the film all that much more authentic. It's authentic. It's yes, it's authentic as it can be. <laughs> so with that, uh, Megan, thank you once again. Thanks uh, so much for, for having me. For joining us. What a pleasure. pleasure this has been for us. Uh, the privilege is all ours. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Thanks for the feedback, the ratings, uh, the wonderful notes on uh, iTunes and on our blog when we post these things. And with that, keep on listening, and we'll see you next time when you're cleared to land on the Green Dot.